grateful believer in Jesus. I'm going to take my shoes off, (laughs) y'all. I celebrate recovery from codependency, anxiety, and anger. And right now I'm working on my food issues, and my name is Jamie. God has used Celebrate Recovery throughout my adult life, and I have learned so many coping tools, and I really believe that it is because of God's great mercy and this ministry that I'm still striving today. Thriving today. (laughs) I was raised by my mom, who is mentally ill and a drug addict and heavily into the occult. She's always been mentally ill and used drugs as her coping tool. My dad was a wealthy man who squandered his money on gambling, alcohol, drugs, and women. They divorced before I was two. I saw my dad once a year for my birthday, or sometimes for summer visits, where I was pawned off on one of my two aunts. I either spent a month or two with my beautiful Aunt Michelle, my mom's sister, or oh, my mom's sister who I loved and I idolized and who was a drug dealer, or my Aunt Liz, my dad's sister, who seemed to barely tolerate me. She was a rich socialite. My first memories are from when I was two. After my parents' divorce, my mom remarried. The man she married was angry and very physically abusive. One time while this man was beating her, I remember screaming and I remember her bleeding. So I ripped the rabbit ears off the television, jumped on his back, and started hitting him and screaming at him to leave my mommy alone. There were many more men and many more instances throughout my childhood where I would fight either for myself or my mom. My dad rescued my mom from her abusive husband, and he would spend the rest of his life financially rescuing one or the both of us. When I was three, I decided to run away from home and to live with the Christian neighbors who lived in an apartment downstairs. I packed my suitcase and my Barbies, and I asked if I could just live with them. They let me stay for a week. I loved being with them because they were happy and kind, and they made me waffles every day for breakfast. My mom finally made me come home, and we moved away from them shortly after this. But that nice lady gave me a record titled, Let the Sunshine In, a song about letting the love of Jesus shine in your heart. This would be the beginning of what I call my evangelism award in heaven. If there's an award in heaven for the person who was most highly pursued by God and then rejected him and then lied about his pursuit, I am quite sure it will be me. My life was never really good as a child. I have been told by three different counselors at three different stages of my life that I should really be dead in prison or in a mental institution. But God, his great mercy had a different plan for me. And God is so good. (laughs) I was a latchkey kid at the age of six. My dad provided financial things, but that was all. My mom moved us all the time. By the time I was 16, I had lived in 15 homes, been to nine schools in five different states. Men came and went. And at one time, I counted five marriages plus live-in men for my mom and seven marriages for my dad. However, wherever we moved, God was merciful and put Christian families in our path. They always invited me to church and always told me about Jesus. And I loved church, (laughs) but I didn't think they would really like me if they knew the truth about my mom. So I hid and I lied. I also hid and lied at school, protecting the secrets of our dysfunctional mess. When drug programs came to school, it was physical torture. 
I knew that they would realize that my mom was an addict and that my aunt was a dealer and that I would have to go live in foster care. Fear, shame, and hiding were the names of my game. The fourth grade is when I really felt the presence of God for the first time. It was at school with my Christian teacher in a Christmas program. The program was a Star Wars and Jesus Christmas, and we sang Go Tell It on the Mountain. I didn't know then it was... I didn't know then that it was God's spirit that I felt. I did know that I wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. After this, I went to church with another family. The family asked me about Jesus in the car on the way to church. I, of course, lied. We didn't go to children's church, only big church. I don't remember what the pastor said, but I remember sobbing at an altar. The pastor came to speak to me. I wanted to accept Jesus but I remember that I had just lied in the car about being a Christian. So I lied again and said I was crying because my gramps was dying. The pastor was so excited and he made a big deal about the faith of a child and they all prayed for my gramps. He was dying and he did die a few months later. That day I went home from my friend's house to find a new man had moved in with us. He was to be called Uncle Terry. That night, I pretended to be scared and said that I had bad dreams because I really wanted my mom's attention. She said I wouldn't be allowed to go to church anymore because it was scaring me. This is one of the very few rules she has ever stuck with. The church people did try to follow up, but she scared them away. And she still thinks it's funny that they thought she was demon-possessed. I wish I could say I turned to Jesus after this, but I turned to other things instead. By the age of 11, I was drinking and smoking, and by the age of 13, I was using drugs and promiscuous. Age 13 was a very hard year for me. I stayed all summer with my Aunt Michelle, the drug dealer. I either walked to an arcade or watched MTV all day. At night, my aunt would wake up and take me out to do something fun. However, she was dealing and using and started to lose touch with reality. I was left alone, and I started stealing things like cigarettes and change. My aunt had a room with stacks of money and drugs. I didn't think she'd notice the missing change. I also stole some socks um, from one of her friend's houses. She had so many cute unopened socks. <laughs> I didn't think she'd miss them, but she did and I was in trouble. My aunt also thought that there was exactly $100,000 in her room that could only account for 99,000. She first turned on her boyfriend, accusing him of taking the missing thousand. She was mad at him, so she gave me a loaded gun. She says if, she, if he comes through the door, shoot him. He did try to come in. When he opened the door, I was standing in front of him with a gun pointed straight at him. He kept saying, Jamie, put the gun down. This will ruin your life. <laughs> Thankfully, he chose to leave before I shot him. Then my aunt turned on me. Um, she thought I had taken the money and mailed it somewhere. What I did was mail in an MTV sweepstakes thing. She took me to a place and said I was being given a lie detector test. I failed it, but now I'm not even really sure if that was real. What was real was the shame and the condemnation I felt from being falsely accused. My beautiful aunt, who was my idol, was now an addict who hated me and I was heartbroken. When I got home to my mom, she met me at the airport with her new boyfriend. 
He was 18 years younger than her and now lived with us. She was ashamed and disappointed in me and made me get a job to pay back the $1,000 that I didn't steal. She lied to get me the job, saying I was 15. I started working full-time and going to school. This is when God's pursuit got really intense. I became a bus girl at a fancy restaurant, and I rejected Jesus daily. One night, my mom went out of town, and my stepdad tried to get me drunk and high and came on to me. He actually wanted us to run away together and hated me after when I wouldn't go along with him. At school the next day, I told my best friend, and she convinced me to go to the school counselor. The school counselor told the whole world. He denied everything, and my mom treated me like the other woman. She was jealous and verbally abusive. It was not fun. I avoided being at home as much as possible. As I got older, I started having the wrong kind of fun that left me feeling empty and alone. I became a party girl with a super cute car and no rules. I lived only for me. At 18, I moved in with my boyfriend. He was the worst, meanest, drug-using boy I had ever met. I had this twisted logic that I said, if he said he loved me and he was a really bad person, then the love he said he felt for me must be real. He dealt drugs and I worked. Life was hard. And after six months of literally hell on earth, I called my dad to the rescue and we moved in with him. My boyfriend wanted to get married and a wedding sounded fun, even though to me it was just a piece of paper. So we got married. His family was religious, so I told him he never, he better never expect me to stop drinking or go to church. Even if we had kids, I wasn't changing for anyone. But my new husband had these amazing grandparents. They were so good to me. They would tell me the truth, and they loved me, even though they often didn't agree with me or my choices. <laughs> they always shared Jesus with me. After six weeks of marriage, I was going to file for divorce. What was I thinking marrying this guy? I threatened to leave. He promised to change, and I started getting sick. And of course, I was pregnant, and I was in denial. I convinced myself that he could change. He didn't change a single bit. But I had a new baby on the way, and I was going to make this marriage thing work. I didn't want to be divorced like my parents, and I didn't want children from a bunch of different fathers. I made this mess, and I was going to fix it and him. Then came my sweet little baby. There's an odd verse in the Bible from 1 Timothy 2.15 that says, Women will be saved through childbearing. When my oldest daughter was born, I knew there was a God, and I needed to find him. And I somehow didn't realize that he had already been mercifully pursuing me. I went to several churches, and one day the message was for me. The conviction was real, and I accepted Jesus. And I wish I could say that things really turned around for me here, but in fact, they got a whole lot worse. I went home after church, and my husband was just getting out of bed. And I realized, oh my goodness, I married you a drug addict. It was like I was blind before. But now I saw the mess that my life was. This would start a long series of kicking my husband out and taking him back. He would get help and make promises, then keep using. It was a cycle of abuse and apology with no real change. He was physically abusive. Once he threw me on the ground so hard that I blacked out. 
The neighbors called the police, but I lied and said it was all me. I mean, I didn't want him to lose his job, right? Another time he broke a glass over my head and spit crackers in my face because I went to a church softball game and other men were there. Then I started having panic attacks and I found out I had thyroid cancer. I decided if I was going to die, I better get to know this God I claimed I believed in. So I started reading the Bible every day, all day. And I had several awesome supernatural experiences during this time. I believe that I saw Jesus and that he spoke to me. After the cancer treatment was, treatments were over, I became pregnant again with my sweet second daughter. Things with my husband were crazy as usual, but I was growing in the Lord, and I knew that I didn't have to be abused. Finally, when I was five months pregnant, he punched me in the stomach and then started cussing at my three-year-old. It was the last time he would hit me. I had him removed from the home, and he went into a Christian rehab program when my baby was one day old. It was at this time, though, that I discovered CR and codependency. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I realized that I was a whole lot of the problem, and all my fixing was like playing God, and that I was in sin. Then four years later, I was living in California, and I became part of starting a CR and leading in a CR open share group and doing a step study. We did everything wrong, and after two years, the ministry failed. But I still learned a lot, like do a daily inventory, worry about myself. It's okay to not to be okay. And most importantly, I am not a victim. This new freedom made me love CR. I continued to grow in the Lord, and I led many people to a saving faith in Jesus. During this time, I prayed and asked God for a son. I wanted to know what it was like to love a man. God answered my prayer in a miraculous way, and I now had three beautiful children. My husband was mostly clean and functioning, but not recovering. It was more like a business partnership than a marriage. He was only at home for a short time on the weekends. He provided for us financially, and I was like a wealthy single mom, and I did not believe in romantic love. After praying for my husband for years, the marriage eventually ended in a messy divorce due to my ex-husband's porn addiction and learning about numerous affairs. I went through a long season of painful rejection and failure after failure. I was then hurt by church friends, and I wanted to hide in shame again. I was completely broken. I decided during this time I would be what I call a benchwarmer Christian. I just sort of go to church and not really serve anywhere or not really get to know anyone. I love Jesus, but I was scared of his people. But now I was in Georgia, and I made a new man friend who I was literally crazy about, and dating him brought me to church and to CR. The night I came to CR, the lesson was on forgiveness. It was like God spoke directly to me, and I was able to let go of my anger and my hurt. Then, 10 years ago, I married that sweet man who brought me to CR, and he is now the husband of my dreams. He came with three beautiful children, and we were literally like the Brady Bunch. My stepchildren are a tremendous blessing. However, being a stepmom is the most difficult task I've ever had. I love my stepchildren as my own, and that comes with a great deal of pain. 
Also about 10 years ago, I applied for a position at Eastridge to work as the children's director of Celebration Place, the children's ministry at Celebrate Recovery. This position has been life-changing. I have never felt like I fit in anywhere. I have never felt like I belonged. I honestly haven't ever really been super sad about not fitting in. I just know I'm very different. But the Celebrate Recovery I work for has given me the gift of belonging. For a long time, I couldn't remember one happy moment that wasn't tied to some sort of trauma from my childhood. Now, through my team teaching at Celebration Place, I choose to remember and praise Jesus for the positives and the negatives. God has used this time in my life to redeem so many hurts, and I'm very grateful. Jesus truly has given me beauty for the ashes and taken my sorrow and given me his joy. There's an old hymn called Amazing Grace. One of the lines says, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I love to think about being in heaven for 10,000 years because I know that this world will seem nothing like nothing more than a bad dream, barely a blip on my heavenly radar. Thanks to the tools I've learned at CR, I was able to make amends in numerous relationships. And my relationship with my father is, was completely restored, and I have the hope of seeing him in heaven. I don't want any bitterness to block God from using my life to lead others to him. I desperately need daily mercy, so I give it freely. My mom has chosen in this time not to be in my life. Her rejection is hard, but the Lord bridges the gap and comforts my heart. The sweet baby boy that the Lord gave me miraculously is now not a follower of Jesus. This is devastating for me, but with a great church family and tons of prayer, I'm believing he will surrender and have a real relationship with Jesus someday. My life verse is Psalm 119, verses 5 through 6. It says, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I want to do what God says is best so I can be free from shame. But how can I do what's best if I don't know what God's word says or how to apply it? The answer is CR. At CR, we learn how to live out God's word in our daily lives. And I am so very grateful. I'm learning about and overcoming strongholds. Step seven says, we humbly ask God to remove all our shortcomings. And I claim the promise and victory in 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Codependency is a character defect of mine. It has been the root, a cause of many of my other struggles. I have found victory over codependency, anger, control, insecurity, bulimia, and suicidal thoughts once I got to the root of these issues, which are all stems of my codependency. I still struggle with anxiety, but this is mostly helped by reading my Bible and recalling scripture. To all my fellow benchwarmers and to any newcomers, I say, keep coming back. Wait for God and expect a miracle. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. And all I did was make the next right choice and the next and the next. Freedom is possible. I believe if you do what you learn at CR, 
change will happen. My first step study freed me from a ton of insecurity. My most recent study helped me see myself as a temple of the Holy Spirit. I made lifelong friends who are truly my sisters in Christ. My favorite step is step three. Step three says we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. I need to choose daily to turn my will over to God. This is a struggle, but it's a struggle I'm thankful I'm alive to have. For me, all the other steps are easier when I'm mindful of this step. Fight for change and wait for your miracle. There's nothing impossible with God. Celebrate recovery is for everyone. You don't have to be an addict to need hope or freedom or healing. Everyone needs a safe place to share their life struggles. Celebrate Recovery is a safe place where everyone is welcome and to be real about whatever they're going through without being afraid of judgment. I believe it's what the church is supposed to be like. Shame thrives in the dark, but it dies when it's brought into the light. And the power of fear is broken when we share our hearts in safe places. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, friends. Thank you. I, I so appreciate that. God is so good and faithful. And that's why I want to give anyone here the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior. Um, I have the power to wake up every day and face a new day because of Jesus and his just crazy love for me. And he is crazy about you. He loves you like crazy. He knows the good things about you. He knows the bad things about you. And he knows the ugly things about you that you don't want anybody else to know. And he knows them. And he loves you so much that he would die for you. He would die and pay for those sins. And you know what? He rose again on the third day. And he is alive. He is real and he wants to know you. And I believe he's knocking on the door of your heart. I believe he, all you have to do is open that door and surrender. And he will come in and he will change your life. He will give you joy and peace that surpasses understanding and hope and strength for tomorrow. And he goes with us through all our struggles. And so I just, I want us to pray right now. All right, and I want to ask that everyone would pray. And if you're a believer, while you're praying this prayer, I want you to pray for anyone who doesn't know Jesus in this room, that they will have the courage and, and the belief and the faith to surrender to him. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to give you guys some instructions. And I'm going to ask if you pray this prayer that you'll raise your hand after, okay? But let's just all pray this together right now. Lord Jesus... I'm so sorry over my sins. I'm so sorry for anything that I've done that has separated from me, from me from you. And I ask that you would come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I ask that you would help me to fully surrender to you and that I would let you in. And Lord, I just love you and I want to be your child and want to be your follower. And I thank you for this opportunity. 
And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. So don't raise, don't keep your eyes closed, everybody. If there's anyone in this room that would like to accept Jesus, I just ask that you would raise your hand now. I would love to see someone confess Jesus as their Lord. And if there's anyone here that feels like they want to rededicate their heart to Jesus, maybe you you accepted him as a child, but you'd like to rededicate your heart. I see your hand. I would think that that is the best thing that you could ever do. And so now what I want you to do with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to come up here. I want you to be bold and brave and just come up here so that someone can pray with you and encourage you in your decision. And I just thank you. I thank you for tonight and and just coming out. And we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Come on up. (laughs) Come on, we'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. You know, all of heaven rejoices when one person turned to Jesus.